as I was praying this week for a word, I got a few confirmations on it, but as I was just praying about it, I, there were so many things that were popping up in my mind and things I was praying about, trying to figure out what I was actually supposed to do. Because um, I'm not just going to find a word in the Bible just for me. I'm not going to find something, oh, I could preach on that. And then the Lord said, that's not what I have for the people you're going to be preaching to at this moment. Uh, Jesus said it, and he said it best. I do, and I say, and I go nowhere. Say nothing, do anything, unless the Father wills it. Unless I hear from the Father and he tells me to do it. Uh, someone even asked me recently, like, I've, I've been seeing some crazy stuff regarding people who call themselves Christians, wanting to set up this stuff in a Christian school, and it's just ridiculous. It's ungodly. It's unbiblical. And like, should I say something? And I literally said to him, I said, well, I have two answers for you, and they both go hand in hand. The first one is what I just said. Jesus said, I don't do anything or say anything or go anywhere unless my Father says to, which means that's what we should be asking at all times. Second, um, the Word also says to not be involved in petty, ridiculous, divisive arguments. So if the Lord hasn't told you to do it, it won't be If he tells you to do it, it's not going to be divisive. There's a purpose. If he hasn't told you to do it, and it's okay to want to, to want to come against evil and wrong teaching, wrongdoing that we see a lot. Um, it's okay to want to come against that, but this is why it doesn't necessarily look the same as a lot of churches or a lot of uh, gatherings or anything like that. It's because we really want to focus on what the Lord is telling us to do in the moment. Perfect example is the book of Acts. They didn't have a plan. They didn't write anything out. Uh, they said, Holy Spirit, guide us, and we'll move with you. And that's what they did. And because of that, we have the church as the Lord planned today. Um, which is a huge blessing. Um, there are some churches that they do what they know to do. They do what they know they're supposed to do. There's ministries they know they do, they're doing what we may not be doing, but the Lord has told them to do it. Just because you're a minister doesn't mean you're called to every single ministry in the Bible. The only person given full measure was Jesus Christ. Now, the one thing we do have full measure of is all authority. Jesus said, I've been given all authority, and all authority I give unto you, those in Christ. Those are two very different things. Measures are going to be basically, um, I had a, one time I had to listen to an awesome sermon by Pastor Kevin Wallace. He was talking about your metron, your measure, about staying in your lane. Focus on what the Lord's telling you to do and don't try to do everything. You do what the Lord tells you to do and you do it efficiently as the Lord wills it. But authority is a little different. Those in Christ carry something called authority and it's spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is where before in the past you see Jewish people and exorcists trying to deal with demons and people. And these demons are trying to kill the people they're possessing. Throwing themselves in fire, a child just having these seizures and foaming at the mouth and throwing themselves into water, trying to throw themselves into furnaces. And obviously that's not what a normal kid tries to do. Toddlers do try to kill themselves sometimes, but not on purpose. They just do. But a lot of the Jewish people, they would have to fast and pray for days and days and days and days and days and they would feel like they had to burn this and burn that and burn this type of incense to prepare to cast the demon out when Jesus said, leave. And they had to. Demons had to flee the authority Jesus carried because he is the Son of God. He is also God himself incarnate sent down. And if you don't believe he is God himself incarnate, he can't be the Son of God. He cannot have fulfilled his purpose in this world otherwise. But that being said, we have to understand what authority really is. And authority is to be able to talk as if you are Jesus himself when it comes to being able to speak to the things in your life, even so much to the point of applying this word to your life. The Bible even says, do not be just hearers of the word, but what? Doers. Why? See, here's the, it, it's, it, it really comes down to what does God judge us by? 
Does he judge us by our works? Or does he judge us by our hearts or our appearances? Hearts. He judges by the heart. That's in 1 Samuel. He talks about how he, the Lord views the heart, not the outward appearances of man. The reason he does that is because we can't judge hearts. We can judge fruits. We can judge some actions because a lot of the times some pretty crazy actions, good or bad, come from what? Your fruit. They're showing what you're, what you're growing. If you plant a thorn bush, what's going to grow? Thorns. And anything actually fruitful, flowers, fruit, vegetables, trying to go around that, the thorns will actually eat it up. That's actually one of the parables Jesus talks about. So any good fruit is actually destroyed by bad fruit if they're planted in the same place. So a lot of people don't understand what their authority is because when they're walking and they're, they're reading the word and they're praying every day and they've never seen a day of victory. Not a single day of freedom. Not a single day where they wake up and, and just start praising God and crying and say, thank you, Lord, for another day that I get to wake up free in Jesus Christ. That my sins are forgiven because I have repented for them. But see, a lot of people want to speak as if they have authority and they haven't repented for their sins. This sermon today is starting off like this. Funny enough, I didn't plan for this, but now it's, it's, it's a little funny because this sermon today is on deliverance and what that really means. I am a man who has been delivered multiple times of multiple things. None of it I did in myself. And it all began with one thing, understanding what Jesus actually did for me on the cross what he actually did for me by taking the lashes, the stripes, the bruises. When I understood that, it actually led me to the second most important part of deliverance. Repenting. Repenting is not saying, oh Lord, I sin, forgive me. That is not repentance. That is asking the Lord to forgive you because you slipped up. Repentance is a turning away from a lifestyle of sin. And it can look like a lot of things. Repenting can look like... Well, a lifestyle of sin. Let me, let me go back a little bit. A lifestyle of sin can look like a few different things. We know the obvious. Drugs, alcohol, pornography. Those are the top three things we see a lot of people set free from quite a bit. I'm one of them. But what they don't talk about is when Paul is talking about, he said, now put away all anger and wrath. Because you can live in these mindsets. Even says uh, here in 2 Corinthians... Well, it's, uh, it's actually past where I'm about to start, so we'll actually get there in a second. He even talks about walking in the fruit of the Spirit, but putting away the fruit of the flesh. He said, which is obvious. He said, anger, quick bursts of anger and wrath, like just quick outbursts of, of anger and wrath, because you can't be walking in the Spirit when you're so easily tempted to snap, drink, comfort yourself, watch pornography, Whatever it is, whatever the fruit of flesh is. And the truth is, a lot of the times when people try to go into detail about these, these fruits of the flesh, a lot of the times it's so blatantly obvious, it really almost doesn't need to be said. Because a lot of the times when people are reading, hearing, trying to teach or even pray over it, they already know. But what's missing? How many times have y'all seen somebody who goes to church at least once a week, reads their Bible, tries to at least daily, Praise almost daily, and nothing in their life has changed in years. Well, see, that confuses a lot of people. Who here has seen, and you, can, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. Who here has been to a church service where they have an altar call? I've been to plenty. I've actually been a part of this. Where they call an altar call for deliverance, and you see people set free. I've seen people delivered from things that's not even sin. I saw a woman who had put her x-rays 
on the board for thousands of people to see. She had bone spurs, spikes growing in calcium in her knees. She couldn't walk for years. An elderly woman. And I'm watching her, a new Christian, pick up her wheelchair on stage and run around with it. Blew my mind. But you can't fight it. You can't argue that. But see, we see stuff like that. But then we know people who know better, and I've been this person, who somehow can't get past this wall or glass ceiling. Why? The Bible is full of answers, and a lot of us know these answers. We can quote the Scripture all we want to. We can pray on the Scripture all we want to. We can preach to somebody all we want to. But we have to ask the question, what makes the difference? One of the biggest differences that it makes is a realization of the deception these people have been living in for a long time. They think, I know I'm living in sin, but I read my Bible and I pray. So I'm going to heaven. Jesus didn't say that. I'm going to read here. The Lord wants me to read this through here. Uh, I'm going to read. Uh, if you want to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you got your Bibles, let me know when you got it. If not, just say yay. Yay. Good. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 12. Therefore, having such hope, we use great boldness. We are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading away. He's talking about the glory of God on Moses' face, literally glowing. He had to veil it so because they couldn't stare at it. But he's saying, that he says here, that used to put a veil over his face is so that the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were closed. For to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. There's a reason, there's a reason some people that we know in our lives are stuck in bondage. They're stuck in sin and they can't find a way out. We, on the other side of this, because I've been both, don't know what else to pray. We don't know what else to say. We've talked to them in harshness but love. We've talked to them in truth but love. We've talked to them in just love, just tr- desperate. Not that, any, not that all of those are right or incorrect. Jesus said truth and love only. But even I have in my own flesh... My own spiritual frustration let my flesh come through and I'm just like, I don't know what else to say to this person. But I love them and I don't want to see them die and I don't want to see them burn in hell because I've got to tell you the truth. I am not the final judge of any man. Only one is. But I can tell you, Jesus said to judge them by their fruits and it's very hard for me to believe you can die in bondage to sin as a servant of Satan and think you're going to heaven. So I'm going to read this again. But their minds were closed, for to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted, because it is set aside only in Christ. So the veil, what was the veil? It covered the glory of God on Moses' face. Covered his face. They had to cover that glory. So he's saying that even to this day, as we read about Moses and the veil, what we start to see is that with this old mind thinking... We cannot get to the glory of God, the freedom of God, the presence of God, because it is set aside only in Christ. And the word says that Christ came to do what? Tear the veil. To 
this, this, the Israelites were not living righteously enough to be able to handle seeing the glory of God. He didn't put it on because he was, Moses didn't put the veil on his face because he was a proud man. He did it because he had to. Moses was a righteous man. And he lived righteously enough to be able to see the back of God himself. Physically, without dying. The Israelites told Moses, in case you don't know this, before on his way up, they looked up and they saw a black cloud. Oh, actually, at the bottom of the foot of the mountain was a thick, dark cloud. And if that sounds dangerous and scary, it can be, but it's actually the presence of God. It says so multiple times throughout Old and New Testament. But they looked up top and saw, they saw storms, tornadoes, fire, crazy winds. And they looked up there, they're like, Moses, you go up there and you talk to God for us. Because they were terrified. And at, at first... We all want to say, oh, those Israelites are afraid of God because they're, they're in sin. Actually, that was God's grace. If they would have went up there living the way they were living, thinking the way they were thinking, if they got that close to God, they would have physically died right then and there. They would have physically died. But see, we don't, we don't think like that anymore. We don't live like that anymore. Why? That veil's been torn by Christ. There's a reason all authority has been given unto us. There was not all authority given unto man who was just man because you were man in the, pre in the pre-Christ days. Christ was always prophesied from beginning to end. Always prophesied that he was coming. He came. But before that, what you had was law. And the law was, do this, don't do this, and you're in good standing with God. And if you mess up, you better have a sacrifice from a holy man who lives better than you. And if you didn't have that, you were in trouble. There was no sacrifice for you. But see, we, and a lot of people understand this, and some just don't. They've heard it, but they don't understand it. Christ came to be that sacrifice for everyone worldwide. It said, you know, all know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But here's what I, I don't like sometimes, the perception of that verse. It says, well, I believe in Jesus, so that means this applies to me. Wrong. If you believe, you will follow him. If you believe that he is the Son of God, that means you will believe every word he said. Which was, if you cannot pick up your cross and follow me daily, you have no part with me. Jesus said that. So are you following him daily? Are you trying? That it's not perfection. It is not perfection he's asking for. The disciples were corrected and taught Daily. Why? Because they fought them daily. They were wrong in a lot of ways. They made mistakes. Sometimes sinful. But Jesus corrected them. And they were corrected. Why? Because they were following Christ daily. But see, right here it says, the veil is not lifted because it is set aside only, not for, but in Christ. It is the power of God that sets us free. It is what Jesus accomplished. What he took for us is what really sets us free. So the real question, or the real answer to the question is, why are these people still in bondage when they know better, we know better, we've prayed the same thing, we've seen people set free. It's frustrating. This is a sermon for another day, but it's the same feeling as when you are praying for healing for yourself or somebody else, but you have physically witnessed Hundreds even of people physically being healed of mind, body, and soul by the power of God. We've seen it. I'm one of them. I had 13 bleeding ulcers. My GI tract was messed up because I drank so much. I was, literally, I was literally throwing up blood 10, 20 times a day. And here's what's crazy. I had been trying to go to church with my parents because I was done. I laid in the bathroom floor 
just blood all over my mouth. I had been puking all day. And I said, Lord, save me and let me die or save me and use me because I can't do this anymore. I ran from you because I didn't think I was good enough. I'm living in sin. How can you even hear me? And I go back to Romans. and He said he loved us yet. He loved me yet in my sin. And it wasn't until I prayed in my sin in faith, knowing that there was no payment, there was no way I could in myself be free of my sin, I clung to the cross. But it was the resurrection, not the death of Christ, that brought me out. See, the, the cross ended all. The cross ended all what the enemy had planned because it says that, the, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. Did he or did he not? Was he successful, yes or no? Yes. That's the cross. It's the resurrection is where I am brought back to life because that day in that floor, I didn't know what I had prayed just then, but my flesh was crucified when I prayed that. I said, Lord, save me and let me die and be with you or save me and use me because my life is useless like this. I cannot live for myself anymore because I'm killing myself. I knew scripture I was raised in church. I knew I was do what I was doing was wrong, but I thought because I was doing it, that I couldn't even pray because I was living in sin. When God said, you got it wrong, Chase. Because you're in sin, you come to me and I will pull you out of the pits of hell. And that's what he does. What? How? How? In Christ. Christ is not the side piece to every sermon, teaching, spiritual gift, prayer, or worship service. He is the king. He is the main of course, He is why everyone should be coming. Spiritual gifts are extremely, extremely important for the body of Christ. They have to be there. Some forsake it, some just seek them. But it's all for who? It's all for Christ because when He is preached is when things change because a lot of people know who Jesus is, they believe in Him, and they're still in bondage because they're not in Christ. Free because they're not in Him. They just believe it. So let me ask you this. If you can hear me and you're in bondage, why aren't you in Christ? How much further do you have to be to be brought to the end of yourself? The end of your flesh? The end of the things that make you wish you were not alive or even make you question, why am I here? I've asked those same questions. Even with a gun to my head. With my own hand, I asked myself the same question. And I tried to pull the trigger three times. But I had somebody praying for me. Like I, like I said last week, I had somebody, I had multiple people praying for me. And it was, the good, it was the Lord's good will to deliver me and to keep me alive. So if you can hear that, hear this. If you are alive, it's because God has not given up on you. It is not too late. But there is a time for everything. Ecclesiastes says this, there's a time for everything. There's a time for grace and there's a time for mercy. The Lord is the Lord of love, but he is not, that love is not our definition of love. It is, I will, I will let you choose your sin and be miserable just so that you see that this sin has no life for you because Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. But sin, for the wages of sin is what? <coughs> Death. And what's sad is that everything, well, a little bit of, a little bit of wisdom 
and some things that I've just picked up from the Word over time is that most of the things we see happening consistently in the flesh first happened in the spiritual. And when I'm wanting to be dead in my flesh because I'm so miserable and I hate my life because I'm so spiritually dead, I don't know why I'm even waking up every day. The answer is Christ. He is, a hope. He is my hope. The Word says always be ready to explain the hope that you have. My hope is that Christ came for me, the people like that. He didn't come for the people raised in church and who live a perfect life. Actually, he did. There's no perfect life outside of Christ. He came for the dark. But there's a reason that he's the way, the truth, and the life. I want you all to uh, uh, go back to verse 15. I'm going to continue reading uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Even to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The amplified explanation of that is freedom, emancipation from bondage, true freedom. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the question is, if you want to know where your deliverance is, for one, have you even asked the Lord or are you asking people to pray for you? Never stop asking people to pray for you. I'm not saying that's the problem. The problem is you're wanting somebody else to go to God for you. And that's not the case for everybody. It's the case for a lot of people. A lot of people, well, I've been doing this for so long. And I, the Lord forgives me. Well, yeah, He forgives you, but you haven't repented. So it's you're living it. You can't live in sin and for the Lord at the same time. How can sin live in you and the Holy Spirit dwell within you at the same time? The Word says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve Him. How can he be inside of you, guiding you, talking to you, teaching you, burning the word of God into your heart? How can he prophesy for you? How can, he, how can you lay hands on people and through him people are healed in the name of Jesus? How can you see people set free and even lead them to repentance? If you're not repentant yourself, how can you even be taught? How can you even be forgiven if you haven't even confessed your sins to the Lord, which the word says to do? Confess your sins to the Lord. It says confess your sins to one another. Why? So that you can be not condemned, not shamed, healed. The word doesn't say you, if you you have to confess all your sins to man. This is we're not a this Bible is. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but this this word does not line up with a lot of Roman Catholic top old school traditions where I have to confess my sins to a man, and then he goes to God. That makes no sense. But there's a lot of there's a lot of Protestants who aren't Catholics who do the same thing and don't even know it. Well, I go to church, I talk to my pastor, and I pray and read my Bible, but you haven't applied a single word to it. I've literally read less than a chapter. I've read half a chapter. I've read half a chapter. And if you can't read and ask the Holy Spirit to come inside of you and read and let that come down in you, let this word be burned inside of you, how then in the world could anything ever change? How can you actually... Look at this, and like I've said this every time I've preached, and I'm going to say it again. If you're reading this, it's going, if you're reading this correctly and through the Holy Spirit, it's going to literally be like a miracle. You're going to have to check your own heart. You're going to have to pray. 
You're going to have to say, Lord, I did not recognize this about myself. You have to ask the Lord, say, Holy Spirit, search my heart and show me what's in there that needs to go so I can line up with this Word and I can line up with your will better. I'm going to turn over to Galatians real quick. Chapter 5, if anybody wants to follow. <laughs> Verse 1. Christ has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Who here knows what a yoke is? Raise your hand. Who here doesn't know what a yoke is? Raise your hand. Good, I'll explain. Have you ever seen two oxen side by side pulling a cart or a plow in a huge field or something? That piece of wood that connects their necks together so they move as one unit is a yoke. A piece of wood that connects them. But this says a yoke of slavery. That means you are tied at the neck with slavery. A slave to your sin. It says do not submit again. That means by your own free will. All submission is free will. All of it. Submission to Satan. Submission to your sin. Submission to your lust. Your temptations, submission to God, the Holy Spirit, His guidance, His Word, Christ and Christ alone. That's all your choice. And that right there is what is I, I personally think is one of the biggest problems is why we see some people who have yet been delivered. It's because they have not been told a big part of that is your choice. It's people like me and even other people... Uh, to be in this word to give you the hope and the truth that it is, but it's up to you to apply it. Because A, it's either true, or B, it's false. This whole word is either completely true or it's completely false. There is no in-between. You cannot pick and choose the verses that make you feel good, that make other people in sin feel good, and say, oh, well, yeah, you're living in sin, but oh, God loves you anyways. Yeah, He loves you. He loves you so much he doesn't want you in sin anymore because this is you're a slave to it. You cannot be a slave in yoke with sin and follow Christ daily. He said pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your obedience and follow me. How can you do that when you're a slave? Slaves don't get to go where they want to. Slaves don't get to do what they want to. Slaves have to do what their slaver tells them to do. If you're a slave to sin, your sin tells you what to do and you do it because you're a slave. Paul calls himself, I'm a slave of Christ. Constantly. Christ calls him brother. God calls Paul son. But Paul said, I'm a slave to Christ. Well, he's not saying Christ has become his slaver. He's saying, I submit my whole will to Christ. I submit everything to him. As if I am a slave. I only do what he does. Who does that sound like? To be a slave to the Lord... As Paul said, is the exact opposite of obviously being a slave to sin. But whoever you're a slave to is who you obey. But here's the good news. Jesus said that I came to set the captives free. How many times have you heard that? Captives. What's a captive? A slave to their jailer. And the hardest part is when people 
They know so much truth, they've become dangerous. They know so much scripture, they've become dangerous. They know so much about what they should be doing, they've now become dangerous. Because they are like, oh yeah, well I'll go to church and I pray and I pray over people and stuff. And so when they start to get uncomfortable, they start making excuses for their sin. And then they start reading certain scripture that says, well Jesus loves me and the Lord loves me. Yeah, He does love you. He loves you so much, He sent him, so He stepped off His throne to become lower than you. Live a life of innocence and perfection in the Lord's will and die for every sin that you could ever even think of, even sins you will never do. He died for those people too. The sins that you can't even bear to start to imagine, He died for those too. But a lot of these people who are still stuck in bondage have a very hard time confessing their sins even to God alone in private. Let alone to come up to a brother and ask for help or a sister and say, hey, I'm having trouble. I am in the Word. I'm, I am praying every day. But this one thing keeps bothering me. But see, that's where the healing comes from because somebody who may have already overcome it can say, let me show you how. It's all through Christ. Again, I'm going to read this. Christ has liberated us to be free. He didn't say He attempted to. He didn't say this is what He really wanted to do. He said, has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery take no I Paul tell you that if you get yourself circumcised Christ will not benefit you at all again I testify every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to keep the entire law you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ you have fallen from grace this is talking about old Jewish law right it's talking about the mindset and old Jewish law see the mindset is Oh, well, the Bible says these things that I am doing. You only talk about the scripture you are doing so that it sets you free. But Paul's saying you've already hurt yourself. You've put yourself in a bad spot because you may be doing those, that one verse you're talking about, but you have now put yourself into a place of you break one, you break them all. It says you've fallen from grace because Christ came to fulfill the law. He came to finish it. So we live under what Christ did for us and not the old Jewish law, which the Word says was actually put on the Jewish people as punishment for their constant adulterous towards the Lord actions over and over and over. So the Lord said, fine, there's the law. You want something to follow the vest, that plan and care? Here, here it is, boom. And it actually became a punishment because if you broke one, you broke them all. You literally had to walk around like this all day trying not to sin, and that was your life, not... I can be free and wake up and not worrying about my sin anymore. Who here has prayed? Who here has prayed this to God? Lord, I want to know what it's like to wake up and not even think about what I used to do. I want to know what it's like to wake up and, and, and not even think about, oh, I hope I don't do this today because when you believe this word, you won't. When you're set free as the Lord has already done, you won't. I will tell you this much. When it comes to deliverance, I have seen 90% of all deliverance is a deliverance of wrong, distorted thinking, deceived thinking, twisted scripture to build this fake gospel that this word says the people who preach should be put to death. Even in the New Testament, Paul said that. He said their punishment is coming. He's it's actually uh, 2 Corinthians when he's talking to them. He said, sorry about the harsh word. He said, but whoever told you these things, whoever taught you these false things, woe be unto them. Now I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he's saying. So the real question is, 
Whether it be a substance, whether it be an action, an outburst, wrath, lack of self-control, you have to ask yourself why it's there. Paul said, I do the things I don't want to do, and I do the things, or I don't do the things I want to do. And he said, because sin was living in my heart. He's saying sin was allowed to live there. He didn't say that's how he currently was. He said, this was what I went through. And he's not saying you're horrible for going through that. He's saying there is an answer. He's saying we all can go through that, and most of us do. When we want to do things right, and we keep ending up doing the same stupid thing that we hate. When sin becomes such a burden that we actually hate the thing we're burdened with. The thing is, while we're doing it, the Word says that sin has its pleasure for a season. So we're temporarily relieved of the guilt and the conviction. See those two there? Guilt and conviction are not the same thing. It starts off as conviction. It's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you don't need that. You don't need that. You don't need to say that. You don't need to drink that. You don't need to snort that. You don't need to pop that. You don't need to act out in this way. And then we grieve him, as the word says, and what happens? It turns into guilt and condemnation, which are not of God. Shame is not of God. And because we feel so shamed, we're tempted to sin to make our flesh temporarily feel okay. But then what happens? The second we do, the same person who tempts you to sin is the same person who makes you feel even more shameful and guilty. I know firsthand because I about blew my brains out. I know that sounds harsh, but the truth is what the Bible says. The truth sets you free. So if I lie in embellishment or even trying to take it down a notch not to sound harsh, I'm not helping anybody. I have to be vulnerable. Why? Because Christ was. So we have to really focus on, again, what is the key? What is the key other than Christ himself and what he did to full-blown deliverance? Repentance. It's repentance. I had to be delivered of the same thing twice. The first time I had a demon manifest and it was crazy. I preached about this before. It was crazy. I knew it wasn't me. It's an alcoholic addicted demon. It had to leave and it took, what, 15 seconds? It was gone. I had two very, very holy people, very righteous people in faith take care of that. Walking in that authority that the Lord told me to open up with. And they took care of it. The second time I expected the same thing, but without any prompting from any person, Without having to be guilty and pushing to it, I felt the weight of my sin for what it was. And I ran to God and I confessed, I repented, and I turned. And you and hear what's crazy? I turned from my sin and was delivered. And it put me in the hospital. I almost died. I have a scar on the back of my head right here from it. I had a seizure. My brain started acting up. Fat out busting my head open. And I'm like, when I'll come to, it took me a while. Because I remember just like, what is going on? I don't remember anything while it was going on. Nothing. It was like blackness. And I remember asking the Lord, I said, why in repentance did that happen? He said, I told you the whole time, Chase, I was with you, but trust me. He said, do you trust me now? I said, yeah, I still trust you. I still trust you. And the Lord actually told somebody else in me the same thing. He said it needed to happen. And can I be honest with you? This is, the, this is the hard part. Especially for those in bondage who know you've been called to the Lord. I was made an example of. Because I'm called to be a leader. And I'm okay with that. 
I would rather be able to confess my past sins, my forgiven sins to everyone here who's like, I have been delivered. I was set free. I chose to repent. I stopped and I fell back down. And now I'm stuck again. And the Lord says the righteous man falls seven times and gets up. He called you righteous knowing you were going to fall again and again and again. But you get back up. You don't make excuses and you don't fall back into sin. You fall back in sin when you don't get up. Go crawling back to God and say, Lord, I messed up. I made a mistake. I failed. Help me get up. But see, the difference is a lot of people think because they keep asking for forgiveness, that's getting up. It is not. You're getting back up into the repentance that was bought for you with a price. That Christ paid. Repentance is not just forgiveness of your sins. It's turning from your sins. Well, what is it truly? It's freedom of your sin. Because when you are free to run towards God, you can, you're going to be bogged down trying to follow in Christ and carrying a cross at the same time. And daily following Him, you're not going to be able to do it. And the Lord knew that. Everyone when they were born, was born into sin. Always. I don't care what you were born doing. I don't care what you were thinking I was born as. Believing. I, I've heard people say, whether it be born into lust, I've been born into homosexuality, I've been born into, uh, they, oh, my family has very addictive uh, characteristics. We get addicted to things. I don't care. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. It don't matter how you were born. I'm not going to tell you you're right or wrong. You can believe that. You can don't. I don't care. But when you're in Christ, it says you are a new creation and the old has passed away. So why is the old there when you're claiming Christ? Why is the old man there when you're saying, Lord is my Savior, I pray and read the Bible every day? Great. Don't stop reading the Bible. Don't stop praying, but make it effective by repenting for your sins. Because the Bible says the righteous man's prayer avails much. Which means the unrighteous man's prayers do not. One truth of the Bible makes the truth in the other direction as well. It says the prayers of a righteous man avails much. That means it is sufficient. It gets a lot done. It, it produces much fruit. But the unrighteous do not. God, that doesn't mean God don't hear your prayers. I was in the bottom pit of hell in sin. Alcoholic, depressed, oppressed. Suicidal, multiple suicide attempts, miserable, hated everything. Hated myself more than anything. I didn't even hate people. I just hated myself. In the lowest, and God heard my first prayer to Him in two and a half years. He heard it like that. Don't you ever stop praying. Don't you ever stop being in the Word. But you got to ask yourself this. Say, Lord... Holy Spirit of the living God, search my heart. And why is it that I feel like I'm seeking you? Because some of you guys aren't. It's not that you're purposely saying, oh, 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 well, oh, I know what I'm doing. No, a lot of you are deceived. The Bible says do not be deceived. Because you can be. That means you believe something that's not true. There's a difference between being deceived and being a liar. Lying is saying stuff you don't mean or it's not true or bearing false witness. Deception is like, I believe this because I really do. That doesn't make you right. If you can't compare it to this and this line up with your belief, your belief is wrong. And that is not to say, because there are a lot of argumentative people, especially in the Christian field, especially in the church, who say, oh, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right. No, it's not. You should not want to be right to be right. You should want to be right to set somebody free. You want to say, you want to say the right thing and say, hey, uh, you can believe that all you want. But let me show you this man named Jesus who you're, you're saying you believe in because what you're saying right now about your bondage, what you can't seem to get past, 
there's a problem. You worried about just having to go to court about something. And you're calling yourself a Christian. I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but let me show you this word where it says, Worry about nothing, but in all things, through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. See that right there. Why are you worried if you're, if you're reading this like you say you are? I'm saying don't be deceived. I'm not calling you a liar. I don't know you. I am not the Holy Spirit. I can see your fruits, but I can't judge your heart, and I won't. That's too heavy. I'm not God. But I can call you out. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you call yourself a Christian, you are to be held accountable to this Word of God. Period. You can say only God can judge me. You better hope one of your brothers and sisters come and judges you beforehand because by the time he's judging you, it's too late. That's Scripture. You ever heard of the great white throne judgment? Go read Revelation. It's a scary place to be. Saying, oh, well, only God can judge me. How haughty can you be? How full of pride can you be that you can't be corrected by a brother or sister? How haughty can you be when somebody reads you Scripture only without putting any emphasis, without any opinions, any personal feelings, or any flesh? I have read Scripture to people, just read Scripture, and they've gotten angry at me. And you wonder why this, this same person, they're not even here. I don't even know if they'll ever see this. I hope they do. This same person is the one coming to me with problems, and I just read Scripture, and they get mad at me. I'm like, who are you mad at? I just read you something that can set you free. I didn't read anything affirming your sin. You know it's a sin, or you wouldn't have called me. I read you something that was going to set you free, and you got mad. Why? False humility. God is not fooled by your false humility. He's not fooled by it. He don't care. It means nothing. He's like, this isn't real. Real humility is when I'm on the end of my bed for three hours repenting. I'm not patting myself on the back. That's how bad it was. That's how much sin I had to get rid of. That's how much deception I had to get out of me. That's not me being better than anybody. I had to repent for three hours to get something that was in me from years ago. Gone. What I did, I had, with the Lord, let Him chop down this tree of sin. There were some roots there that God wanted to expose. I thought it was before because of depression, anxiety, and having your ex-wife leave you for some guy she works with, and you just feeling useless and not wanting, then blaming yourself for why, and blah, 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 blah. I thought it was all because of that. I was wrong. I was very wrong. Those were hurt wounds that could open doors to make the temptation easier. What it really was was a spirit of anxiety, worry, fear, Burdens, but not from God. When God gives you a burden, He will give you the grace to carry it. That's Jesus. Somehow, I don't know how He physically did it. There's no way He physically did that, but He did. I get ten feet and fall over dead. Probably dead. I'm not even trying to be funny, but it's a little funny. But this is be real, and that's me healthy, not beat and whipped, ripped, literally ripped open. But you either believe what Jesus said or you don't. And if you believe anything that is the opposite of what this word or what Jesus said, you are deceived. The Bible says that the most deceptive thing is the human heart. So don't say to people, oh, well, in my heart, I feel your heart's probably wrong if you're not keeping it in check with God. Paul said, I'm not even allowed to judge my own heart. Paul said that. He said, who am I to judge my own heart? He said, for the one who judges mine, it's the same one who seeks and searches 
the heart of God and man. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I am not worthy to judge my own heart, so I can't even really defend myself. So if you can't defend what you're speaking, what your actions are, with this, you're probably wrong. And that's okay to be wrong. When we're wrong, that op and we admit it, that opens the door for the Lord to teach us. Like I said earlier, the, the disciples who followed Jesus Christ himself daily for three years were wrong all the time. And Jesus constantly had to correct them. He didn't go mad at them. He would go around angry that they messed up. There were some times he got frustrated, but a lot of the times Jesus was very patient. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is not, I mean, I'm, I love it when people quote that at weddings. I do. I love it because that is what we should be after, especially loving our spouse, but everybody in Christ. One of the biggest, most important things, if you've ever been married, you know, long suffering. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is Paul's address to saying what is the greatest thing a Christian can do because it's not these spiritual giftings. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul spends this whole time explaining all these different spiritual giftings, parts of the body of Christ, their purpose, how they all fit together, how one without the other is really kind of useless. That's why we all need each other in the Lord. We have to have the body as one in unity, which the Lord says. He's coming with a, for a bride without blemish. And one unity. I'm not talking about any physical person because you imagine somebody saying, hey, hey, I've got a perfect bride for you for you to come home to. You come over there and they're missing an arm and a leg. It's not perfect. I'm not talking about actual people who don't have an arm and a leg. That has nothing to do with it. But a spiritual body. But with that love comes correction. I have a two-year-old son that I, I have to spank every now and then. You know why? Because he's disobedient. And I'm not spanking him because he didn't listen to me. He was disobedient in the things I've told him. But why do I tell him, son, don't climb on the kitchen table? Because it's four and a half feet off the ground, and if he falls, he could bust his head open, he could break an arm. He has. He, jumped, he literally climbed out of his crib on Valentine's Day and got a buckle break. We had to take him to ER, right before all the coronavirus stuff hit. Had to get put in a cast. After we had told him a hundred times, don't climb the crib, don't do it. And he did. So when God tells us not to do something, it's for our benefit, is it not? Don't sin. Why? Because the wages of sin are his death, physically and spiritually. A lot of the times. The Bible says, even in 1 John, that not even all sin leads to death. It does get that. But sin sin, right? No. We're not going to get into that today. All sin separates us from God, but not all sin is equal. So we have to, we, what we have to look at is the purpose, how it affects us, and why we're still stuck. And a lot of it has to come with self-deception, making excuses for ourselves. Well, the Lord used me like this today. I must not be doing anything too wrong. I'm, I'm not getting drunk. I might be getting tips. I'm drinking just enough to relax and help me sleep. The Lord said, I give sweet sleep to those who love me. The word also says, be sober-minded always. Be vigilant. Pray, in spirit and Pray always in spirit and truth. Are you doing these things? Is Christ really your Lord? Is really what you need to ask yourself? Because if the answer is yes, I don't care what sin you're in. If Christ really is your Lord, confess it with your mouth and repent. Repent and turn from these sins and He will give you the grace to overcome it. That doesn't mean perfection should come after. And if you don't walk in perfection, you're going straight to hell. The Word never says that Word at all other than to describe Jesus. Because He is. He is perfection. 
But the biggest, greatest thing I can tell you today is I don't care how long you've been in the sin, there just hasn't been a revelation yet to show you the truth of the salvation and freedom in Christ alone. He is the answer to everything, and He has already done what is necessary for you to be free. You've just got to say yes and walk in it. But if you, can't, if you have a hard time believing you're going to be free from that, you tell Satan to shut up and he is a liar because this word says otherwise. If you believe this word enough to say this Jesus in this Bible is my Lord and I believe in him and he died for my sins and you should believe this word enough to say this thought that I believe that I'm stuck in my sin is straight from Satan. I have been deceived and I rebuke it in Jesus' name and be set free. You can't rebuke something without authority. There's a reason God wanted me to start off with that. I didn't even have that in my notes. If Christ is your Savior and the Holy Spirit lives within you and you believe this word and you try your best to follow Christ daily in obedience, doesn't mean you won't fall, doesn't mean you won't mess up. It is not asking for perfection. He's saying just follow me daily. Wake up in the morning and say, you know what? Lord, thank you for this day. Just start praying. Start worshiping the Lord. Even if it's just for five minutes, watch how it drastically changes your day. Because why? You've given just the very beginning, but even a small part to God. How much more when you give your sin to Him? If you can change the whole day you have just by giving Him five minutes of your time in the morning, even at night, how much more when you lay your sins on the altar? Why are you calling your sins yours? Well, I do this and my sin is this. Well, you know what? That's good. That's a good, that's a good first step to confession. But the Lord said that He came to set us free. Christ has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then. Stand firm then. He's not saying you have to understand. He's saying Christ has liberated us to be free. He said, don't let me try to talk you into it. He said, stand firm then. Not if you feel like. He said, do it. Stand firm. And do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. He's saying do not willfully go back to where you were. If you slip up, get up. Say, Lord, I have repented of this. I am free in Jesus' name. Forgive me, Lord, for slipping. Give me the grace to move forward in your strength alone to not do it anymore. And I promise you, as day and day and day goes by and you're following Christ, you realize two years later you look back and your sin is so far from you, you can't even see it because you've been following Him. But you can't repent for a sin. You cannot repent for a bondage. You cannot be set free of something. If this is my bondage and I get set free, I have a chain right here and it's broken. And I just stand right here. The second I get stressed, the second I get tempted, you see what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, here's that yoke again, and now I'm connected at the hip. The Lord sets you free, but we have to make the decision to follow Him. But see, if I, if I get broke free, and I'm like, I'm free, praise the Lord. And as you start praising God and seeking Him, start getting in this Word and praying this Word over you. It's okay to have unbelief. Just don't stay in it. The man asked Jesus, if you can help my son who's afflicted with this demon. And Jesus said, if I can. Like, what do you mean, if I can? And then the man instantly, I love this man, by the way. Some people are, ooh, ooh, ooh. He didn't have faith in Jesus like he should. No, I love this man because of his honesty. What did he do right then? He repented instantly. He said, Lord, call him Lord. Help me with my unbelief. That's why unbelief is okay. Because we have a good God who wants to teach you and show you truth. James 1. If you, don't, if you lack wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, 
Ask the Lord for it, who is willfully and happily able to give it to you. But you must ask in faith that you will receive it. Otherwise, don't pray for anything. Did you hear that? You have to believe the Word, even if you don't believe it for yourself. You've got to get past yourself. Stop, telling, stop agreeing with Satan and the enemy who wants to tell you you've done nothing but this your whole life. You've screwed up your whole family. You've hurt your whole family. You're going straight to hell. You will never be free from this. You will never live in victory that Christ bought for you on the cross. You will never do any of it. That's Satan. Because none of it agrees with this. That agrees with condemnation, shame, and guilt. And here's the truth. I don't care where you came from. It says Christ has liberated us to be free. He didn't say from what. He said from all things not of God. All things are childhood, bad divorce, hurt, even a death in the family. It can even be a holy death where somebody goes home to be with God. But it can wound you. It can hurt you. Even more so if somebody were to pass and go to hell or you don't know. Now I can, I can pretty confidently say I've been to a few funerals where I know that person's in heaven because I walk in expecting everybody to be sad and not feel the peace and presence of God sometimes stronger than I've felt in some church services and that's not even knocking the church services I've been to because God is there to comfort all those that are hurting thank you baby so we have to ask ourselves if the Lord has said all this even about freedom. And there's more. There's even more in this about, about it. But if we were to go over every single scripture about freedom today, we'd be here for the next 10 hours. But the real question is, are you ready? Are you ready to be free? Are you ready to be set free? I don't care if you're here. I don't care if you're just watching this and listening to it. At the foot of your bed right now, the Lord is with you. His presence is with you. And it literally says in 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians um, 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if you hit your knees and you start to confess your sins, say, Lord, I want to be free. Enough is enough. I believe your word. Lord, forgive me that I believe deception. I rebuke that now. I break agreement with the deception of the enemy that I have to stay like this. I'm done. I want to be set free in Christ. You can do it right now for He is with you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus said, "Who well, who the Son sets free is free indeed. That means assuredly. If. Jesus already did everything to set you free. He's done everything to pay that price. But you have to make the decision. You have to, in your heart, say, I don't care how long it's been. I don't care if it's been a week of sin or 50 years of sin. Whether it be worry, doubt, fear, substance abuse, whatever it is. It don't matter. You know what it is. You know what holds you down. You know what hinders your walk with God. You already know. Confess it to the Lord. Repent from it. You don't, that doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to cry and feel bad. It might. It can look like that sometimes. It has for me, but there's been times where I'm just like, no, nah, not anymore, Satan. No, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm done. Lord, I repent for this. I turn from this now. Give me the grace to walk forward in you and never turn back again. Because... Christ bought me my freedom, and in Christ I will keep it. Again, you cannot break your yoke of slavery. Jesus can. You can just agree with it by confessing your sins to the Lord. Where He is just waiting to forgive you. 
He's not up there waiting with his hand back like this saying, come on, get a little closer. And the second you confess, slap you. That's not what he's up there doing. He's saying, listen, I sent my son to die for you. This is what I feel about you. What you've done or how long you've done it. I've been deceived. I know what it's like. Being deceived is a hard place to be because you think you're right. But we have to be humble enough to say, I've been wrong. Lord, I have ignored your word. I'm reading the word. Lord, I'm trying to pray and read my Bible every day. Whoa, I don't like that verse. Oh, oh, here, oh yes. Oh, the Lord loved me yet when I was a sinner. Not repent. Confess your sins to the Lord your God. Turn from your sins as Jesus said. Repent now for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the sun sets free. is free indeed. One day. You see what I'm saying? Or like me. Maybe one day and you start to shake. And then you just close your eyes and pull the trigger. Loaded. If anybody knows me, y'all know how I am about my firearms. They are pristine. They will always work. And then I'm like, oh, I throw up out of fear. And what I just did. And I pull the mag out and I cock it back and I look at this perfect bullet. And I look at the primer, by the way. And the bullet, when the firing pin hits the primer, that's what sets it off. And there's always a little dent and a small circle in the back. It's dented. Ammo's just a week old. <laughs> no reason it shouldn't have gone off three times. That is God. Full of mercy. Romans says it is the goodness and mercy of God. That leads men to repentance. And some of us, that goodness and mercy is where we should be. I cannot tell you how many times I should be dead. Even recently. I got hit by a transfer truck out of nowhere. And it was such a freak accident. So random, nobody got a ticket. That's how crazy it was. But I was in a little four-door coupe Mazda. Got hit by a fully loaded gasoline transfer truck going 55 miles an hour. And I was completely stopped. And the first word I know worth wasn't, oh, beep. None of that. I didn't know. I've never been tested like that. I literally was staying straight. I could see. I was in a lot of pain, but I could see. And the first words out of my mouth was, thank you, Lord. Because I know what hit me. Turned my car almost 360 from a dead stop with the brakes on. But I know my God's hand came down and stopped me. That's God. He stopped me from being damaged. I got a hurt shoulder that should have taken a few months to heal. Healed in like a week or two because I was praying over it. I said, Lord, you said by our stripes we are healed. That's spiritually, first and foremost, but it's also physically. And I started putting my hand on my shoulder every night. And I, started, I didn't just say, Lord, I hope that you heal. I quoted the scripture over it. I didn't just be here. I, did a, I was being a doer. I said, Lord, your word says this. And I claim that over my arm right now. I claim the healing powers of the Lord. What Christ did for me over this arm. And then I go to sleep. And I wake up and every day it felt better. Now it's fine. I used to not be able to do this. I don't know what happened. I think the, my shoulder got popped out of socket back in. But we got to be honest with ourselves. This is the last point. We have to be honest with ourselves because if we're not honest with ourselves, how are we going to be honest with God? If we're not honest with ourselves, how are we going to confess up to God? Because that's our will. God gives us free will. And if it's, if it's in my will to try to line mine up with His, i got to be real with myself and say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I have to be free. I, I can't do this anymore. Christ, I, I know what Christ did for me. You say, Lord, take this from me. In Christ's name, take this from me. I want to be free. But I can promise you this. If you are set free and delivered in Christ, you must stay in Christ. You have to stay in the Lord because it's very hard to keep freedom when you're not near the one who made you free. 
A little defenseless. That's what the word says to put on the full armor of God. We're not getting into that today. Anybody, anybody could preach. <laughs> hours upon hours upon hours of that. And it would all be amazing because it is very important. But today the Lord wants to talk about this in a different light. A lot of the times we've heard and we've seen services and sermons of deliverance and freedom in Jesus Christ. And they hold a, 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 an altar call and people are set free. I've been there. I was part of that. I was set free doing it. There's nothing wrong with it. The Lord told me today that it's a little different. Kind of turn it around because the first part of it is, oh, here's an altar call. The Lord said you're free. The Lord said, I will do that. And those things, those people did what I asked them to do. He said, however, there are too many who are getting set free and two weeks later going right back to where they were. He said, because they're not being discipled, which is the first thing I prayed on. They're not seeking discipleship. And most importantly, they're not following Christ daily, which means what? They're not being honest with themselves. I know atheists who know this Bible better than some preachers. That's not a knock on those preachers. Those preachers are getting people's souls saved. I know atheists who read this Bible in and out just to try to disprove it. And then just look ridiculous. So reading the Bible don't get you to heaven. It don't. Praying don't get you to heaven. It don't. It's accepting what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you and Him as your Lord and Savior. Notice that it doesn't say believing the Lord as your Savior. Nobody says, oh, I got saved because I believe what Jesus did for me. No, you already believed it or you wouldn't have accepted it. To believe it's one thing. Satan believes in Jesus. That means nothing. But accepting him as Lord and Savior means I have made him my Lord and Savior. And that means over all things in my life. My marriage. My physical health. Taking care of myself. My children. My family. My friends. Everyone close to me. And the people not even close to me. I've become nothing for me. I gain nothing for me. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy life and do things I like. I just make sure it's not a sin. I make sure it doesn't get in the way. And even things that aren't sin, I make sure it doesn't become an idol or a god in my life. We all have to keep ourselves in check. There's doesn't mean we have to go around our lives being on eggshells because we don't live in the law that Jesus came to fulfill. Like we talked about earlier. One thing a lot of people forget is God has common sense. Where do you think we got it from? We call it common, but we always say the joke, oh, it's not so common. A lot of that common, just, that common sense really comes from honesty. And I'm being honest with ourselves. Because like I said, you can't be honest with God if you're not honest with yourself. And here's the thing. You can be free of something but not fall on Christ. And you're teetering. And it's frustrating because we all understand that we can all fall. That's fine. The Lord is there for that. But we've got to be real. God does not accept false humility. He doesn't accept false. Oh, the Lord, He will deliver me one day. Why not right now? Why not right now where you stand? If you're watching, right here where you are. If you're here, right not right now. No matter what it is. I am no <coughs> priest. You don't come up and say, oh, I have done these sins. You can. You can say what you want. All I'm going to do is going to pray for the Lord for you. I'm going to say that the Lord in Jesus Christ, you be set free. I'm going to probably walk you through how to get through these deceptions. But then, we have to offer the hand of brotherhood and sisterhood as the body of Christ and say this, we're going to move forward together. And if you slip, I'm here to catch you and the Lord. Come on. Now, oh, if you slip, oh, get away from us. You're not part of the body anymore. That is, no. I need Jesus every day. It's like that, we've all seen the Facebook thing that says, oh, the, you know, I need the Holy Spirit to preach. Oh, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. You really do. I need the Holy Spirit to drop through any part of traffic in Cleveland. I do. 
I, I, I can't stand it. There's more people than there is road. It's just heck. <laughs> it's just how it is. So I know I need the Lord to watch my road rage. Why? Because it's funny. It is funny because it's real, but let's be even more real. It's because I can't act in wrath anymore. I can't scream and flip people off because they make me angry. The Bible says, let no vile corrupt thing come from your mouth, but what is edifying to the Lord and to those around you. I can't be flipping people off. It's not a word, but it means one. Everybody knows what I'm saying if I throw that middle finger up. Ain't a person, but a, a young kid not going to get it. And soon they will. Because they're going to say it, they're going to do it, and the parents are going to say, uh-uh, this is why you don't do it. You see what I'm saying? But we've got to be real. And here's the thing. When we're honest with God, it takes a lot of pressure off of us. We don't have to do much of anything but follow Christ. See, salvation's free. Discipleship costs you everything. What's a disciple? Picking up your cross and following Christ daily so that you can have part with Him. Because He said, if you don't, you have no part with Him. That's a scary verse. It should be, but not to scare you to run from God, to scare you to God. Sorry, it's just true. There's some scripture in here that a lot of people don't like the preacher talk about because it makes people offended. I'm sorry. Jesus, in His perfect love and His deliverance and freedom, walking up to the blind man, spitting in dirt, Rubbing it on his eyes, walking up to a leper, which is one of the most contagious, disgusting, horrible diseases known to man, and touching his face and him instantly being healed. That Jesus preached so much truth and was so offensive they hung him on a cross. So I don't care if this word of God offends you. If you call yourself a Christian, check your heart. Check your heart. If this word or any part of it offends you, check your heart. Because that's the same spirit that hated the living Word of God that we call Jesus Christ who came to make the Word flesh. If it offends you, Christ offends you. I'm sorry. If it offends you, you would have been the Pharisees and the Jews saying, we have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. That was their response, by the way, when Pilate said, they say this man's the king of the Jews. Is he? Pilate wasn't being sarcastic. He was like, I'm really confused here. Because he was like, I don't want anything to do with this and I'm somehow poured into it. You see what I'm saying? And they're like, well, is he the king of the Jews? And they said, we have no king. Then they said, our king is Caesar. What they were saying is we have no spiritual king. We serve whoever is going to give us our way and our emotions right now. And that is Pontius Pilate who's going to allow an actual murderer to be set down from crucifixion and replaced with innocence. God himself. And as horrible as it is, thank goodness it happened. Because I wouldn't be here right now if it didn't. Most of us wouldn't, actually. 